Hello, listeners. I want to share an amazing resource with you. It's called Hello Divorce. Founded by a lawyer and certified family law specialist, Hello Divorce can help you no matter where you are in your divorce process. So whether you're just getting started or if you're near the end but have stalled out and need help to get over the finish line, Hello Divorce can help. They provide full-service divorce support and they can handle divorces of all kinds, all net worths, and with or without children. It's completely online, convenient, and they offer you support all the way through. Their clients get divorced in one-third the time and at one-tenth the typical cost. So go to hellodivorce.com backslash beyond and receive $100 off the cost of their services. And I want you to know, Erin Levine, who's my friend and the CEO and founder of Hello Divorce, was a guest on episode 197 entitled, Get the FYI on DIY Divorce. So be sure to go check it out. We'll link in the show notes. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. No-fault divorce is simply just a type of divorce that allows people to end their marriage without proving fault or wrongdoing. It's grounds to have a court enter judgment of divorce, which means you can get a divorce without having to prove grounds, without having to prove adultery, without having to prove mental cruelty, or a number of other areas where in the past you had to. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today, listeners, I have an of-the-moment topic for you. This is something that just came up in the past couple of days. I posted about it on my Instagram feed, and woo, did people have a lot to say. And so I reached out to a friend because I wanted to have a conversation around this particular topic. And the topic is no-fault divorce, what that means and what's happening in the world of no-fault divorce. And I'll go more into that, but I want to introduce you to our special guest today. I reached out to a good friend and colleague in Connecticut. You all know I practiced for so long in Connecticut. And so I reached out to my friend, Rosemary Ferrante, and asked her to come on and do this episode off on the fly with me. Um, And she's being a very good sport and jumped on Zoom with me so that we could get this out for you. Because I think that the misunderstandings around this particular topic and the potential forces that are trying to make changes to no-fault divorce in this country create a danger for the non-adversarial divorce world, the positive divorce movement that we are so passionate about. So 
Rosemary is here. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a, guess what, family law attorney, uh, but she, as I did, focuses her practice on non-adversarial divorce. She mediates and is a collaborative attorney. Um, she also founded Divorce Resource Connecticut, and that was in partner, is in partnership with one of our other divorce and beyond experts, Hollis Hardiman. You all remember Hollis was on, she's the CDFA who came on and told us the top five ways to protect your money in divorce. You guys really liked that episode. Um, she's also the vice president of the Connecticut Council for Non-Adversarial Divorce, CCND. And um, I've mentioned that organization before. That is the organization that when I made the jump from being a divorce attorney to a divorce mediator, that is really the organization that got me started and gave me the support. Um, we had a wonderful episode with Jennifer Louise Champagne and Deb Noonan. We had them on for an episode on divorcing with respect for Divorce with Respect Week. And then one more of our Divorce and Beyond expert family. Um, Rosemary is one of the co-authors with Lily Vasileff, who was another one of our financial professionals of the book, Divorce and Separation, the Connecticut edition. And we'll have links to that for you all in the show notes. So long intro, but I'm so delighted that you're all finally getting to meet my friend, Rosemary. Thank you for coming on, Rosemary. Of course, Susan, I'm so happy to be here. Well, and we started talking about this topic in the comments on that Instagram post, and it was an interesting uh, little post. I really put it up just thinking this was something that to me was an interesting comment on a TikTok video that had recently, and I'm going to use that viral, you know, in the hash, in the quotes, air quotes there, but it had gone viral talking about a movement afoot in Texas to sort of go backwards in time and abolish no-fault divorce in that state. And that rang all kinds of alarm bells for me. And so I posted about it to, to let people know about it. And one of the things that became really apparent to me as the comment line grew longer and longer was that many, many people do not understand what no-fault grounds for divorce are and what that means and what the impact would be if it's removed from the law books, um, if it's no longer available to people. So Rosemary made a comment in, in the comments and I was like, <laughs> oh good, I've got somebody who I can talk to about this. So Rosemary, let me ask you to start out with, because this is a conversation as attorneys and, mm -hmm. and maybe even mediators that we have with clients all the time at least in the context of Connecticut, but I think it's it's pretty general, how do you explain to clients what no-fault grounds are for divorce? You know, the great news for me is I don't have to explain it much anymore. <laughs> so no-fault divorce is just a type of divorce that allows people to end their marriage without proving fault or wrongdoing. It's grounds to have a court enter judgment of divorce. And so Every single state has it. We'll talk a little bit about the history. Every state currently has no-fault divorce, which means you can get a divorce without having to prove grounds, without having to prove adultery, without having to prove mental cruelty, or a number of other areas where in the past you had to. Um, and so it's, it's whether or not you can actually get divorced from the court 
And so again, no fault divorce is simply just the grounds to be able to obtain that divorce. I think what you're asking, though, in addition is, well, what does that really mean? But I, yeah, I don't want to jump ahead. So I think I might be jumping ahead. No, well, what I was thinking is that's exactly, I think, the distinction that maybe is hard for people to grasp. And so I, I think you've described it really well, because it's really a very fine point of before we had this no fault, right? You actually, before you could get divorced, you had to prove to the judge that your spouse was in some way at fault for breaking up your marriage. And you may all think, oh, well, he cheated. She's cruel. He left the house and abandoned me. You may think those things are easy. But by their very nature, these are like the types of behaviors that people go to great lengths to hide. And proof in a courtroom rises to a pretty high level. So those take us back to the days, right, where, and you're not as old as I am, there was still, you know, some fault grounds that were more common when I first started practicing. And I remember having to put, you know, private investigators on the stand who had followed someone with a woman, not their wife, to a hotel and taken pictures of them going into a hotel room and sitting there for two hours and 60 or 59 minutes and leaving looking disheveled with their shirt on backwards or whatever, right? But you had to right. prove it. And what no fault did is it took away the need to do that. And the reason was to help the divorce process, to make it a less adversarial process, to make it less contentious. Because prior to this involvement or introduction back in, what was it, 1969 yep. in, in California, Ronald Reagan. And, you know, interesting fact, did you know? <laughs> it makes me laugh that it was Ronald Reagan since he's been, was divorced twice mm -hmm. or once. Well, and I, and his first wife, Jane Wyman accused him of mental cruelty in 1948. And so this is 20 years after that he introduced non um, no fault divorce in California. And ultimately, all states followed. I practiced in New York in the 90s. And New York didn't introduce or adopt no fault divorce until 2010. And so back in the 90s, when we had to prove this, we had to prove it to obtain the divorce before you're even talking about all of the issues re related to this family, just to get the actual divorce entered. We would submit complaints that were three phone books, remember? Three oh, yeah. phone books evidence on such and such a date he did this on such and such a date he did that to prove mental cruelty to prove like you said adultery um you know with pictures and it it putting aside all the other reasons that we're going to talk about why this is a bad idea it took up a tremendous amount of the court's time just to allow people to actually get divorced right and that's let me just point out so you you've gone through all that and you've created that phone book of a complaint setting out all the reasons why your spouse was at fault. The end result of the judge finding fault is, okay, now you can get divorced. Now let's talk about all your money, all your stuff, and your kids. It has, the two things are separate. And I think that's where people get confused. And we'll talk more about that, but let's talk about how how much did those phone book complaints cost the the people? An an enormous amount of money. 
you know, an enormous amount of money. Back then, again, so let's talk about private investigators. Let's ask people to journal and remember five years ago, seven years ago, 12 years ago in your marriage. Give me every piece of evidence that shows mental cruelty. And I keep going back to that one because I remember that as being sort of the the one in New York that we used all the time. Um, and, you know, he he called me a bad name on such and such a date or he, you know, whatever it might have been. Starting a divorce action like that, what, it, you know, the cost is enormous and you haven't even gotten to, let's talk about goals and interests. Let's talk about what are you seeking? What are you looking for? So to me, this whole conversation about going back to that time when we've made such advancements in normalizing healthy divorce is mind blowing. It's just absolutely mind blowing to me. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted us to have this conversation because <laughs> I think that what people don't realize, and again, everybody who's out there whose spouse cheated on them or whose spouse has been mentally, physically abusive, they're thinking, well, no big deal to prove that they are this. But again, I want to point out to you what, what Rosemary and I are both saying here. It is a big deal. It's going to cost you a lot of time and money to have to prove those things. And for everything that you say, if you don't have that third party evidence, like the pictures, like they wrote you a nasty text and you saved it from 12 years ago when they called you the nasty, right? It becomes a lot of he said, he said, or she said, he said, or whatever your combination might be. And if you can't prove it, then you can't get divorced. You stay married to that person. And that happened too. Mm -hmm. Not only did it happen, you know, it happens somewhat regularly. Now, I, I hope, uh, I hope that we've come a little further in <laughs> as a society, uh, you know, and that we recognize that keeping people in unhealthy marriages is not good for anybody, particularly the children. So when we talk about this re legislation that's happening now, it's just, again, mind blowing that there's there's discussion about the integrity of of the marital contract or you know not making divorce easy and and they like to use these facts that are non-facts you know since, since now divorce is easy everybody is getting divorced well no the divorce rate actually hasn't gone up and yes actually you know the suicide rate of women has gone down domestic violence has gone down there's many a reason why allowing people in unhealthy relationships to get divorced makes sense across the board. We started talking about cost, but there's so many other reasons. Yeah. Well, tell us a few. Okay. <laughs> Dive on well, in. You know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. It makes perfect sense. You know, let, we've been, you and I and, and a slew of divorce professionals around the country have been working tirelessly on educating people about normalizing divorce. Gosh, I remember reading that it was the Gallup poll, I think it was 2017, that the moral acceptability of divorce, the rate of moral acceptability of divorce in this country has reached an all time high. So we're accepting that divorce happens. We're accepting that sometimes relationships aren't meant to be forever. So how do we help these families restructure in a healthy manner? It's certainly not going to be forcing them to go to court and argue about who's at fault. Right. And, you know, the legislation that talks about 
well, let's limit no-fault divorce to childless couples. So that's so counterintuitive. We're going to make it harder for the couples that do have children? Isn't, isn't the goal to help the kids? Well, isn't the goal of healthy divorce and divorce mediation and collaborative divorce and keeping it out of the courts so that the, the, the divorce we all know isn't what affects the children, it's the conflict. Why do we want to increase the conflict? Shouldn't we all be de-escalating the conflict? Right. And, and, you know, that's such a good point. I've always said to people that what we've done or what we had, the situation that we had before no fault was that we took a family restructuring, right? And took their, that process and put it into the same legal construct as a rear render or a breach of contract action or a wrongful death action or any other lawsuit. We took a family and squashed them into this hole of treating them and their, their restructuring as a lawsuit, one party versus the other. And when you have this element of having to prove fault, you have taken the ability to be collaborative, to be intentional, to be thoughtful about creating something that works for that family to the best of their ability. You've taken it out of the the party's hands and you've put it into a judge's hands. And you've added all of that animosity and adversity because I'm sorry, somebody's saying he called me bad names. Well, she was a bad wife. Well, he didn't pay the bills. Well, she wouldn't get off her butt and go to work. I mean, we've heard them all, right? That doesn't really set things off too well when then you're going to sit down and start talking about where Timmy and Tammy are going to go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, and not only that, Susan, what what do we do in collaborative divorce and divorce mediation? We don't look back. We're looking forward. We're looking at how are we going to set up everybody for the best post-divorce life that we can, given their circumstances, their situation. So we're not looking back and playing the blame game anymore. And that's exactly what this does. It creates starting off on uh, absolutely the wrong foot. And what I, I keep going back to you know, why we did this in the first place. We, why did every state in this country adopt no-fault divorce? It was to de-escalate. It was to, you know, help families transition. And so this just feels so backwards. It just feels like, you know, we're going back in time instead of moving forward and evolving like we should be as a society. Um, and, And this argument that it's led to more divorces is, a, inaccurate, but B, it's led to more efficient divorces. It's led to more uh, healthy and respectful divorces. And isn't that the goal of a society, I would hope? I know that some of you out there are dealing with complex financial circumstances in your divorce that are leaving you with a pit in your stomach. Well, Hollis Hardiman is a certified divorce financial analyst and wealth manager who can provide you with the guidance and support you need during the divorce process. Hollis was recently a guest expert on the show, and you can listen to her popular episode, What You Need to Know About Your Money When Starting Your Divorce. Hollis is highly trained and experienced in analyzing all aspects of divorce finance, including property division, spousal and child support, estate planning, and investment tax considerations. 
She works closely with you and your legal team to ensure you receive a fair settlement considering your financial needs and goals. So regardless of where in the divorce process you are, Hollis can provide you with the insights and tools you need to make informed decisions and to secure your financial future. You can get in touch with Hollis today to schedule a complimentary consultation. Just email her at hpardeman at meritfa.com and be sure to let her know you heard about her on Divorce and Beyond. Hey listeners, it's Susan. Just wanted to let you know that I have a brand new website that's dedicated to helping people grow a business and become the entrepreneur that they want to be. Um, It's called Susan Guthrie, your partner in success. And right now for anyone who is trying to build a business, I have a free book. It's called Building the Practice of Your Dreams, one month of daily tips for finding success. And you can get a free download of the book So just go to the brand new website. It's SusanEGuthrie.com, all spelled out. And you'll be able to link to the book, link to both of my podcasts and all of my other resources. So go check it out. Stay tuned for more from my discussion with attorney and mediator, Rosemary Ferranti, as we discuss what a no-fault divorce really means and why it's a good thing. Every state in this country adopts no-fault divorce. It was to de-escalate. It was to help families transition. It's led to more efficient divorces. It's led to more healthy and respectful divorces. And isn't that the goal of a society, I would hope. If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show with leading attorney, mediator, and best-selling author, Gabrielle Hartley, the founder of the Positive Divorce Movement, who is now showing us how we can all get along better and why it's easier than we think. There are five things that that we all do. Try not to judge yourself and say, oh, my my ex does that or my, you know, my mother does that. My father does that. Yeah, they probably do. We all do it. And so like just knowing that you do it is really important and it will really help you to um, resolve arguments because you can clear away your emotions by understanding your behaviors. And now we return to today's show. Because there's an inherent thought in you have to have a legal reason to end your marriage. And by the way, we've only got six reasons that qualify as a legal reason or seven reasons. Each state, everyone has different grounds, but they all run in the round of incarceration. Um, you know, the, the ones we've talked about, adultery, abandonment for more than a year, um, mental, habitual mental cruelty, uh, there's, there's others. I'm not thinking mall cause frankly, we just don't use them very often, uh, because they don't need to be used. And I think your point is a good one. If it's no fault, if it's, and you've all heard the words irretrievable breakdown or the marriage has broken down irretrievably with no possibility of reconciliation. There's our Connecticut little, little mm-hmm. phrase that we would, we've probably, you've probably said in a courtroom a hundred times, um, or more, you didn't have to look at those issues to see whether your couple was going to be able to get divorced. Now, I do want to point out, not every state, it varies state by state, but some states in a completely different set of laws, not the grounds for divorce, but in the property distribution, in the spousal support, 
uh, laws, sometimes some states allow a discussion of or a look at fault in the breakdown of the marriage as one factor that a judge in their discretion can look at in determining the disposition of property or spousal support. Connecticut happens to be one of those states where Rosemary and I practice. Um, not all states have it. I can tell you California, where I practice, if it's no fault, it's no fault. They don't care what has happened. It's going to be 50-50 and it's going to be uh, spousal support pursuant to the laws there. So they don't care about fault. Different states, different shakes. But that's where I think we have a lot of this misunderstanding for people. I would say, how often do you see judges in Connecticut taking fault into consideration in the property distribution and alimony? Good, good question, because I think it runs a bit of the gamut. I, I used to say, I used to say, unless, you know, I, I don't know that I can say this on the podcast. <laughs> unless I'll say, I'll say it in a clean manner. Unless the behavior is so egregious that it's going to really shock, shock the judges, because think about it, they've pretty much heard it all. Um, are they really going to make, um, a, a different ruling. However, you've seen some, you've seen some where some one spouse has been able to prove such egregious behavior that they do obtain from a judge more in by way of asset distribution or potentially alimony. They are factors, but like you said, it's one of many factors. So if you look at the alimony statute, there's a number of factors that a court can consider similarly with the equitable distribution and every state is different, but this is really where I think people are getting confused, even on your thread, right? Because people want to be heard. They want a judge to know he was bad or she was terrible. And let's put aside for a moment, whether you're ever are actually going to get that day in court and that opportunity to tell your story. That's another <laughs> issue altogether, but you, even if there's no false divorce in many states, fault may be considered on the merits of your claims in seeking again, whether it's alimony or equitable distribution. Right. And that's, I think that's such a critical thing. I'm so, you just described it really well. And I think it's important for people to understand. And, and by the way, everyone, those laws that we're talking about around property distribution and around sp support, spousal support, that's where you may see fault as something that a judge can consider. Another line of comments in that thread were around uh, parenting and parenting plans. And let's just be clear on that. Fault for the breakdown of the marriage doesn't have anything to do with best interests of the children, which is what controls when it comes to parenting issues. So that was a whole nother thread that we were dealing with where people were like, oh, you should get rid of no fault divorce because my ex-husband was an ass and he shouldn't ever be able to see my children. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. I have an episode coming up um, with one of our colleagues down in Florida that's going to go over exactly what best interests actually means and what that standard looks like. So stay tuned for that one to know more on that. We're not going to dive into it more here. But understand really the distinction that we want you to understand. If you are out there thinking getting rid of no-fault divorce is a good thing and it makes sense, 
It does not. I'm sorry. I'm going to be really blunt with you. It would be a step backwards in our world. And it would frankly, by a preponderance, hurt more women and children than anyone else, because it would keep people in relationships that they did not want to be in. And it would keep children in homes with parents who should not still be together because of that no faults grounds. It has nothing to do with how much money you're going to get or how much alimony you're going to get. And I want to make sure that we now go into, because this is what started it all off. Texas, you got a problem. The, the, <laughs> Original post that I put out there about this TikTok um, that was put out was um, a young, and I'll link to the TikTok in the show notes, but uh, a woman put out a TikTok warning women in Texas not to get married because there is a conservative movement afoot in Texas that has legislation pending that seeks to abolish no-fault divorce. Let me know your thoughts on that, Rosemary. What do you think? Well, I think I've been, uh, <laughs> I think I've been sharing, right? It, it's a bad idea. Um, you know, it's so wild because as a mediator, I always like to understand what people's goals are. So I try to understand what's the goal here? What's the end game? You know, are you going to force someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship anymore to stay in an unhealthy marriage? And then what had live happily ever after? What's that? What are you seeking? Um, you know, this particular movement, it, from what I've read, they, the thought process is they believed that introducing no fault divorce weakens the institution of marriage. You know, they feel that it's just too easy and the, the divorce rates are going, have increased, which again, we've already discussed. They have not. Where does that leave people who really have no options if there is actually fault-based divorce only. And more importantly, their children. We've come so far. We've come so far with, again, the research and the recognition that conflict and unhealthy relationships hurts the children. Divorce does not. There's plenty. I think what I read the statistic, two-thirds of all divorces are not high conflict. So we're talking about one-third of high conflict divorces, which now we're going to make more high conflict. Right. Right. Here's the logic. We're going we're gonna to pour some jet fuel on there and throw a match on the, that one-third of divorces. And it really, in that particular instance, to me, you said, what's the end game? It comes down to power. It's a power play of, you, you said, what's your end game? You want to, we're, you're going to stay with me and we're going we're gonna to live happily ever after? No, it is, I have the power over you to make you stay in this relationship with me. And I will say this can go either way. It can be male, female, female, male. It, it, it can go either way. But again, preponderance of you know evidence and, and statistics would say that women and children have benefited most from no-fault divorce. Um, it's really a way for an abuser to continue the abusive relationship in many instances. Um, and so... This would be something that I want people to be aware of. This is kind of one of those quiet little movements at the moment, although I do want to say Louisiana is also considering this legislation, and Nebraska is considering it with the proviso that only un uh, childless couples 
can get a no-fault grounds for divorce. But if you have a child, then you have to have grounds to end your divorce, which I think you very eloquently stated, only puts children in the middle of now a, a you know dumpster fire of a divorce process or a relationship where two parents are forced to stay together. How many times have you and I said in our careers that when you stay together for the children in an unhealthy relationship, you're not doing it for your children. It's not benefiting your children at all. It's absolutely not benefiting your children. You know, and and I think that that's really still, uh, there still needs to be so much education on that. I'm sure you've done talks on this ad nauseum. You know, the, the children getting through a restructured family is not does not need to be a negative thing. Divorce doesn't need to be a, a dumpster fire, as you said. And it just, you know, we've again made so much progress. A look across the country with non-adversarial divorce and people again normalizing healthy divorce. It's been a beautiful movement. Um, let's get it out of the courts. These are family issues. As you said, you know, you can't, it's one thing if you're in a car accident and you have to go to court in an adversarial system, you never have to see the person again. Why are we trying to fit families into that hole? It doesn't make sense. So let's get let's get them out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we've been doing. And, and we've done, I mean, we've made strides, even in our careers, I'm older than you are, but we both have seen this progression from, we've spent our time in those courtrooms do doing the dumpster fire stuff. There's a reason, everyone, why we are so loud and proud and, and out here telling you that is not the way to go. And so this felt to me very alarming, especially in light of other backwards steps we have taken in recent times in our laws, um, other laws that have somewhat taken women back in time. And frankly, New York, you only passed this in 2010. That's just not that long ago. So I think we need to be aware of this, but we need that education to get out there. So as we, we wrap up this episode, one of the things I absolutely want to do is to let people know what to do now that you know this. And hopefully you understand the difference now between the no-fault grounds for divorce and whether or not fault plays into how much alimony or property you can get, and that it does not play into the the your custodial situation at all. Um, so one of the first things I'll say is I would like you all to take this episode and share it because we did this purposefully to spread the word about this. I would love for this episode, like that TikTok, for no reason, not because I want the downloads. I want people to hear this and understand this the distinction so that when in your state a movement starts or if you are in Texas or Louisiana or Nebraska where these things are already afoot you can do something what suggestion might you have rosemary yeah so i i love this what are the next steps education like you just said spread the word spread the word advocate for for this understand it and advocate for it and, you know, make sure that when you hear uh, the misunderstanding that people have, 
send them to this episode, send them to, you know, do some background work too, because it's really eye-opening when you start to read about the evolution of divorce in this country and how far we've come. And then to just start to take steps back is really indicative of where we are as a society. So educate yourself, educate others, and spread the word. Yeah, I think those are two. I And I will say uh, um, as a, a last maybe word here is vote, folks. Yes. You have yes. to, you know, vote. And this would be as we move forward, um, for those of you out there who are in the states where the this is legislation pending or being discussed, find out what your the people you're voting for think on this topic and let them know what you think on this topic because we're both here to tell you that this would be a major step backwards for us as a society for the future of relationships and and the, the children of our country this would be a major step backwards um and if you think you pay your lawyer too much money now what's one of the <laughs> biggest complaints people have about us or did have about us right mm -hmm. you hate paying wait until you see the bills when you have to prove fault folks but all of it really there's a reason why no fault exists as rosemary said and it's so important that we educate people. So please share this far and wide. Make sure that people understand the difference between, you know, no fault grounds and fault when it comes to the distribution of your property and your money. Um, and make sure that you vote for people who support your beliefs. Any last words, Rosemary? Oh, gosh, you've said it all. Thank you so much, Susan. This is such an important topic. Uh, uh, you know, I just I appreciate you jumping on like this with me. I, I did this under emergency circumstances, everyone, <laughs> because I just feel so strongly on this topic. And I really want it to be something you all understand. If you have anything you want to say on the topic, folks, reach out, send me an email. You know, you can always reach me at divorceandbeyondpod at gmail.com. Um, Rosemary, I want to make sure that people can get in touch with you. I will have links in the show notes, but tell people how to follow you on Instagram like I do um, and how to find your website. They're both the same, actually. So it makes it easy. Instagram is Divorce Mediation CT. And my website is also divorcemediationct.com. Okay. Thank you again. Oh, I'm awesome. so glad you were here. And everyone, by the way, Rosemary is coming back. And we're going to talk about marital mediation in that episode. So stay tuned. A completely different topic, um, but something that is also near and dear to both of our hearts. So thank you, everyone. Share this episode far and wide. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.